Great to see you here today. If you're visiting online today, um, if you're with us watching, big welcome to you as well. If you're new here today, lovely to have you with us uh, this morning. It is, uh, it's a great day to be alive and to be in the house of God. Um, I'm going to share a, a couple of stories this morning, um, and before I do that, uh, we, uh, the intermediates, um, if you're an intermediate here, we've got an intermediate program, you can go out now and to your usual spot, that'll be, um, that'll be amazing. And uh, so back to my couple of stories, uh, we're going to jump into um, Luke 15, and this is, you'll know this story, the, the story of the prodigal son or the loving father or however you want to frame this. I don't want you to think that you've done this story, all right? You've read this story and this story was a former part of your life today. I want you and I believe that God wants to speak to our hearts through this amazing uh, Bible text this morning. So let's just pray before we open the Word and, and read. Jesus, we just thank you um, that you are the Word, <laughs> that you are the Word, and and we ask that you would open yourself up to, up to us this morning. We pray that you would bring transformation, uh, reformation to our hearts, God, that you would open our eyes, God. We want to give you our past, our present, and our future today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to uh, jump in Luke 15, verse 11. Uh, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, no questions asked. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant land, and spent uh, everything. Oh, sorry, he sent off for a distant country, and then he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began uh, to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country, who sent him uh, to his fields to feed pigs. He no longer filled his stomach with the pods that the, uh, the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will send, uh, set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring the ring and put it on his uh, finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. I love that Bible story. <laughs> I think that is that frames the heart of the Father for every single one of our lives here today. And uh, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey and your journey with the Father, but He is a Father whose arms are open wide for you and your whole life today. You know, about four months ago, uh, was in March, I had COVID. 
Um, yeah, it wasn't a great experience for me. Debbie had it first. I thought, okay, that doesn't look like fun. Then I had it, and I was like, this is pretty easy. Uh, and then I had the second half of it, sort of three days after getting it, and I was like, this is horrible. Uh, and, and so I went through that. Um, then after COVID, I had a little bit of reprieve. Then I had shingles, and then that was a little bit painful. Uh, and um, so that spent, uh, spent a couple of weeks getting over that. Then I moved through that, and then I developed a ridiculously sore stomach for some reason. And um, I was in pain and gut pain for about a month and a half every day. I couldn't sleep much at night. I had to have sleeping medication. And to be honest, uh, it really felt like the life had been sucked out of me for about three months, um, up until about a month ago. And um, who, who loves pain? <laughs> Is anyone? Don't see that hand. Surprising. Um, but, you know, w- w- yeah, this pain actually that I was, um, you know, dealing with was actually having a really good go at redefining my outlook on life. It was having a really good go at redefining the inlook that I had on myself um, it got to the point where I was asking actually whether I could continue to be functioning how I was because I was just in pain. I was like, this this is just actually really sore. My gut really, really hurts. And I, and I went to the doctors, had some tests, all that, yada, yada. Um, and uh, over this time, though, I actually did a lot of reflecting and um, and and trying not to feel too sorry to, for myself because you know I'm mean, joyful in all circumstances, right, fellow believers. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, part of the challenges when we are in pain, you know, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether uh, you're, you know, you you think you're going back to school tomorrow, uh, you know, that could be painful. For some people, um, you know, in the in the midst of our pain, part of the challenge is to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, and He is He is perfecting something in us, no matter what season we're in, um, and He doesn't author every amount of pain. Let me say that that comes um, into your life, but He will actually perfect us in the process if, as we surrender to Him. And and so I'd been really um, just trying to focus my heart on Jesus, and I had the scripture. It's actually still on my phone on my screensaver from Second Chronicles. It says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. <laughs> and we can have times like that in our lives where it's like we've, we have permission to not know what to do at times. We can be in a bit of a wilderness space and we can and not know what to do, but we can fix, one thing we can do is fix our eyes upon Jesus. And I was just sitting there with him one day actually and um, just, you know, talking with him about how I was feeling and he, and he brought to mind the story of the prodigal son again to me. And, he, and then he said to me um, as I was meditating on it, he said, hey, there's a part of you that is still sitting with the pigs and needs to experience the Father's embrace. Yeah. And so I said um, out loud, what part, Lord? And he said to me, your fear of lack. And I was like, that's interesting. So, so Father, what are, the, what are the lies? I kind of did a sozo on myself. Um, what are the lies that I've be- been believing about you, Father? And, and he took me back to this painful, um, 
business situation about four years ago. I was in business, not now. And I did a lot of processing. I've shared that a few times, actually, from the pulpit. And I thought, oh, great. I've been around that mountain like a hundred times. And um, there's something, though, you know, God, Jesus, that you want me to learn about myself and who you are in the midst of that. So, Father, what are the lies I've been believing about myself? Or what are the lies that I've been believing about you? What are the lies that have been present in my life because of this situation? And they just tumbled out. I'm just going to share some of my beautiful lies with you that I was believing. That, Father, you don't care if I fail. That my success is up to me because, God, you let me fail. I'm just being real. Like It's one of our values here. You let me fail and you left me to fail. I can't trust you. <laughs> I, I laugh about that now. But that was actually just what just, boom, came out of my heart. I was journaling at the time and just went, wrote it all down. And I, I just discovered again that I had this negative subconscious narrative whirring away in the back of my mind. Just that little hamster on that treadmill. It's <laughs> a part of what I was thinking about myself. And, you know, emotional trauma is at play. And I know emotional and trauma are big words. But emotional trauma is at play when, when events or experiences leave us feeling deeply unsafe and often helpless years after they've happened. And there was a bit of that going on for me, actually. I was just like, actually, a part, I, I, I have a fear of lack because I just, I didn't, it didn't happen like I thought the fairy tale was meant to happen, Lord. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says this, We take captive every idle thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. And, you know, you get to think about an engine that is left idling um, in a small confined space will actually create a toxic environment as, you know, carbon monoxide poisons the atmosphere. And, and the loving father, he wants to give his children re relief <laughs> from the negative subconscious narrative that have been whirring in the backs of his children's minds from trauma, from traumatic experiences, from unanswered questions, from, um, you know, non-present fathers and mothers, from bullies, from situations uh, in our life that have actually led us to just believe lies about ourselves, essentially. And and I'm sharing this today because, and you might have done this journey before, and you might have been down this track before, but this is actually one of the fundamental pillars in our house, is that we come home to the Father's embrace. So if you haven't heard this before, this is for you today. And if you have heard this before, this is for you today. <laughs> you know, any idle thoughts that perpetuate fear become strongholds of torment to us. Like, if, if fear is a part of your life, it's not something that the Father wants you to live with. <laughs> it's just simply that. 
unless we're talking about the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of all wisdom. But if you're just living in a constant state of anxiety, there's a journey of wholeness and, and freedom for you to come into. And, you know, it, it's not until we sometimes revisit the pain of our past and reflect on those circumstances and the misbeliefs we have with, with the Father and, and see them, see those situations and see ourselves in light of who He is, that we can actually get free and actually be ourselves. Because that's what, that's what He wants us to be. He wants us to be free to be ourselves. So, you know, let me ask you. Actually, let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are those idle thoughts that have been playing away in the back of my mind? that you want to bring home to me. What are the idle thoughts? You know, what, were the, what was the emotional trauma? Maybe there's fear, maybe there's cynicism left over, maybe there's shame, loss. Maybe these things that, you know, or these things that were in my life, let me just say it that way. They needed the Father's embrace. You know, something that we can't escape from is the fact that our relationship with our fathers or other significant, you know, parent figures has a massive impact on our lives. It just does. You know, children are soft wax, great receivers, poor interpreters, um, and we've all, we're all children that have been molded by our parents. Um, and so based on our experience as children, we can actually make a conclusion in regards to the nature of our Heavenly Father. And one of Jesus' priorities was to redefine and clarify the perspective that we have of God as Father. And then throughout the Gospels, Jesus makes over 150 references actually to God as Father. He said to his disciples, pray, our Father in heaven. And he didn't say pray our Lord or pray our King, um, but he said pray our Father. And for the Jews at that time, Father was, a, this was a new way of addressing God. And this was an invitation to prayer and to connection with God. And, and Jesus was referring to God as a king and as a Lord, not to be feared and, and revered and, and to, you know, to, to cower before. But he was opening up this perspective of God as Father, as someone that we could have as a personal connection point with. Remembering also that Jesus didn't come to undo the majesty of who the King of Kings and, and the Lord of Lords is as well. But he invites us to into this, uh, this kind of father-son, father-daughter relationship with him. So my father's parents, um, let me just, this is, a, this is a bit of a story of my, my generational father uh, uh, narrative really. So 
my father's parents and older sister, they um, all died in car accidents. And that's, that's heavy. That was, that's an intense, that's, that's been a, a grief in my family line. And then recently, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't until recently that I realized how the, the loss and the pain on my dad and on my grandparents had affected my life. And my dad, so just to bring you into a little bit of that story, I've got permission from my dad to share this, actually. Um, my dad was 18, and his older sister was 20 when she passed away. And they were really close. They would go to dances together and that sort of thing. And she was on her way home from Christchurch to surprise her mum on Mother's Day when the bus went off the road and she lost her life. She never made it home. And that's a sad story. And, and, and growing up, I never knew this, why we, never, we were never allowed to celebrate Mother's Day or Father's Day in our family. It's just like, never had a grid for it because I didn't know the story. And, um, and Christmas was also a difficult time because I didn't know this stuff, actually this part of it until yesterday, that... Um, that her name was Carol um, because she was born on the 24th of December and she was named after the Christmas season. So it just helped me frame something even yesterday about why Christmas was an awkward time. Um, but all this, um, yeah, this, this had a big impact on my, on my dad, as you can imagine. And so my dad, um, growing up, he was someone who always talked about minimizing risk always talking about it. He was, uh, he was a pilot as well. He was the chief safety officer um, at his airline. And there was always conversations, uh, I say always, often conversations about um, preventing bad things happening. And especially when driving, when we weren't being careful. And, that's, and that led to me um, and I'm sorry, this is a little bit of a, I'm just breaking my life open today, talking a little bit a bit more about myself than what I usually would, but anyway, you got me here. Um, but it, this led me to believing um, that, that something bad was always about to happen, <laughs> just like the base, like something bad could happen, and there's this, I had this negative lens that was just going on, the hamster wheel in my mind. It was like something bad's about to happen. Um, and then when I was 13, my grandparents, they died in a head-on head car collision as well. And so it brought this, this whole reality home for me that this life on this planet is unsafe business. <laughs> that, was, that was how I received it, you know. It was just, that was part of my journey. And, and so I ended up with this sense of foreboding. That's how I'm going to frame it. It's just like this foreboding spirit around me that was just always thinking that the worst thing could happen. And my dad, on one, on one hand, he was, he's amazing. My dad is so amazing. And he was positively trying to um, protect me and make sure I was being safe. But at the same time, he was unwittingly building an expectation of fear. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's how I interpreted it. And, and I've only, like I said, I'm just actually um, coming to grip with the, this in the last couple of months. And so I've had to battle and reject this mindset over my life for most of my adult, adult life, actually. 
just always thinking that something negative was about to happen, which is not true. <laughs> it's just simply not true. Um, yes, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the other half, and the greater half of that scripture from John 10.10 10 is that Jesus said, but I have come to bring life and life to the full. The real thing here is that the enemy is after your mind. He is after your past. He wants you to he wants to lock you in and lock me in to the perspectives of your earthly father and your earthly traumas and the things that have unsettled you and he wants you to anchor your identity to those things. That's that's what he does. He's the thief. He wants to kill and he wants to destroy you. But Jesus said, I've come to bring life. So I've come into this season with a real sense that the Father heart of God is massive. <laughs> that he wants to welcome home his children with open arms he wants to welcome home those parts of our lives that we struggle with, that we silently wrestle with, that we are out of touch with, even feeling numb about. You know, that was something that I felt for someone here today. You've come along today. You felt numb in the worship. You felt numb across the service. That's not what the experience of being a believer who is someone who is alive in Christ needs to feel and experience in the presence of God. He's calling us to feel deeply, and sometimes trauma will numb our souls. We will, you know, that will numb us down, but He wants you to actually feel the pain with Him. Like the pain that you carry, it needs to actually be released to Him and let go to Him so that you can be healed, so that you can receive life, life to the full with God. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear, drives out fear. He wants to literally drive out the fear that has been a part of our lives with His perfect love. That's, a, that's His perfect essence. That's His presence. That's not just an idea. He's not just an idea. He's not just words on paper. He is an experience. He is an experience for us. He's not a religion. He's alive. <laughs> he is alive. Let me give you some truths about the Father. He is love. 1 John 4, 16, and we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. He's the source of life, John 5, 26. For as the Father is the source of life, so He has given the Son the power to impart life. If you're here today and you fear lack, like I had been fearing lack, I want to tell you today that He is your source. He's waiting for us. He longs for us in Luke 15, 20. You know, while the Son was a long way off, the Father was there on his tiptoes at the gate, leaning over the fence, looking, waiting with a posture to receive his son, no matter what kind of condition he was in. The father was there for uh, to embrace him. Come on. 
He's our provider. He's your provider. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds in the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? He is your, that's what your Father's doing. He's thinking about your provision today. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about you. He's, he, wants, he wants you. He doesn't want just your discipline. He doesn't want you to just think, well, I've got to get up tomorrow morning and read the Word because that's my religious duty and that's what I do and it's da 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 I mean, it's good to have discipline. <laughs> I hear that, yep. Someone likes their discipline. That's great. Thank you, Liam. Um, but he's, he's not the God of discipline. I mean, yeah. I don't, it's not one of his names. <laughs> yes, he is master. He's king. He's Lord. But he's father. We come to him. Why? Because he's father. He's father. He wants to hang out with us. <laughs> he wants to do life with us. He wants to be our provider. He wants to love us. He wants to heal us. Um, so where do we start if we want to know who God the Father is? Just check that time. Where do you start today? Um, Jesus is the gateway. No one can come to the Father except through me, Jesus said in John fourteen six. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, John fourteen nine. I only do what I see the Father doing, <laughs> John fifteen nineteen. We've got to keep looking to Jesus' example of his relationship with the Father in Scripture. Like, read the Gospels again and look at how Jesus has relationship with his Father. Romans 8 says this in the New Living Translation. So if you, you, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, instead you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his sons, as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. There's nothing in that text that rejects anyone in this room today. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. 